All right, take your Bibles and turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. We'll continue our study. We're going to be here for quite a while, and uh, there's a lot that can be discovered in this little epistle, uh, 1 Thessalonians. Uh, and just in chapter 1 alone, there's a lot of doctrine that we can glean from this passage of Scripture. The Lord has been uh, kind of working on my heart this past week as I prepare for this message. And, uh, you know, when a, when a pastor goes away for a time, he never, well, maybe some can, but I know I can't just say, well, okay, then put everything in the church and everything, we're going to forget about it. My life is going towards the next Sunday, the Wednesday night, and then the next Sunday. That's just how I'm geared. And so as this week, as we were away, we had a great time. I was telling them that we found, uh, uh, we, it took, after a little bit, you know, we found a place that um, Brother Elwood, when we were there preaching, I was preaching at camp meeting, he showed us a, a beach. And it was uh, supposed to be white sands. You know, they say white sands, but there's no white sands in PEI. It's all red. It's just different shades of red, just a lighter red and a darker red, you know. But, so we found this spot and, you know, we found room amongst everybody else. And <laughs> just kidding. No, we found a great spot. I mean, it was probably three miles of this beach. And we got there, and it was. we looked, and as far as you can see that way, and this way, the big lighthouse over here, and it was just all to ourselves, and it was it was wonderful. After a while, people started coming, and it was it was time for us to go. But praise the Lord for that, and, uh, you know, just being able to get away. And I wasn't going to get in the water. I'm not a big swimmer or anything, but I was over there, and I like to collect rocks. I love rocks, and you go to the ocean, and all those rocks shined up man i'm just like wow and i'm over there and of course i've got some boys that are pretty ornery and they started splashing and i had to go in and try to straighten that out not that i planned on it but i still have to have to uh i have some things to have to take care of there <laughs> one of these days and i have to get them by themselves i can't take them all by all together anymore and first thessalonians chapter one we had a great time missed wednesday night heard that Things went great. Praise the Lord for uh, Brother Allison being able to fill it in uh, short notice. And but I praise the Lord for that. And uh, it was really good to be able to come back and to hear that. Praise the Lord and to hear about the message that was preached and uh, what it did for people. Yes. And knows that I know that I can go away and I'm not going to be worried about you know what's going to be said and done. And you know if I'm not going to have a church to come back to, they're going to vote us out and and. Uh, Anyway, praise the Lord. It's good to get away, but it's always good to be home. Be it ever so humble, there's no place like home. Amen. First Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 1, Paul and Silvanus and Timotheus. Now, this is Paul and Silas. We know that. Now, here, I'm going to help out the kids a little bit. Be all right, Brother Jerry? Okay, the ones under 14. If you go back in the book of Acts a little bit and you look at the time frame, where when this was written around this time, you understand why Silas was with him and why somebody else wasn't with him. And we're not going to. I'm not going to go any further. Give something away, but uh, that's just kind of a hint. You can take that from there. Amen. Paul and Silvanus and Timotheus under the church of the Thessalonians, which is in God and the Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God always for you all making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing 
your work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God and our Father, knowing, brethren, beloved, your election of God. For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance, as ye know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. And ye became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost, so that ye were in samples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. And from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith to Godward is spread abroad, so that ye need, we need not to speak anything. For they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you, and how ye turned to God from your idols, from idols, to serve the living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the privilege and the honor to be here this morning. Thank you, Lord, for each and every one that's here. And Father, I thank you for a good, solid, independent, Bible-believing, New Testament Baptist church, Father, that has been grounded and is planted here. And Father, it is it's bearing fruit here in Woodstock, New Brunswick, in our area, here in Carlton County. And Father, I pray that this would not be the only place that we find a church here in the Maritimes or in New Brunswick. But I pray, Father, that our church would have a desire to plant other churches from this church, Lord. And Father, you would raise up some men and their families, Lord. You'd raise up some teams, Lord, that would go out. And Father, they'd reach these communities and we'd plant churches, Father, all around this 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 province of ours, Lord, and, and through the Maritimes and into Maine, Lord. I pray, Lord, that we'd be, have that desire to please you first and foremost in our life. Not, Father, not, not uh, uh, looking after our own needs or trying to get recognition for what we're doing, but, Lord, being able to serve you and to please you for whatever thing that, that you've done through us, Father, that you can do through us. And I pray, Lord, that you'd help us now as we look in this word. And, that, Father, that you would speak to our hearts, that you keep distractions away, Father, and keep them to a minimum. And I pray, Lord, that each and every person here today would be listening because, Father, they will be accountable if they're listening or not because the word is going forth. And I pray, Lord, that you speak to our hearts, Lord, as you, as you have to mine. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. When we look at verse 1, we see God uses ordinary people to accomplish his work. And I praise the Lord for that. If God didn't use ordinary people, then I wouldn't be here today because I'm just as about as ordinary as you could be. Some people say odd, but I say ordinary. Amen. I, 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 I praise the Lord that God just uses simple people. You don't have to have a certain amount of degrees for God to use you. You don't have to have a certain education for God to use you. You don't have to come from a certain uh, family for God to use you. God can use you. You don't have to have the right past for God to use you. God can use you if you allow him to. God uses ordinary people to accomplish his work. Paul and Silvanus and Timotheus unto the church of the Thessalonians, which is in God the Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We see also the work he has them do is always through the authority of his church. It's always through the authority of his church or his churches. And now many people take issue and they say, well, no, 
We believe in the, the invisible, universal church, but there's churches, it's very clear, in the Word of God. When you go through the Word of God, you'll find churches, and God uses churches. That's why it's important that churches are planted. And we find churches are birthed, and, and churches grow, and churches please God. And God, you can please God through the church. We understand that Paul, if you know the, the life of Paul, he would go out on these church planting missions. They say, well, he was a missionary. We'll say he was church planter. He would go out from his sending church, but he would always go back after a certain time and he would report to his sending church what God is doing. Because there's always an authority in our life. You can't just go out and do your own thing. Say, well, I don't get along with this church and I don't get along with that group and I'm going to do my own thing. The great thing we hear today is, well, I'm going to be non-denominational. Non-denominational was nothing, <laughs> Really? And Baptists aren't a denomination. The world says, well, they're a denomination. We're not a denomination. We're Christians. We are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to serve our Lord, Jesus Christ, which He is our head. Praise the Lord. And we're going to serve Him. God, the work He has them do is always through the authority of His churches. We see also where it says here, it says, And the Lord Jesus Christ, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, without the grace of God, there is no peace. You can say, well, I've got peace. You know, the world may sing songs about peace, but the world does not know anything about peace. There always, grace comes first before peace. If you look back to your life, your old life, and I'm not saying you, you, were, uh, you never smiled, you never had a good time, but you never had that peace. That the Bible says it passeth all understanding. You didn't have that peace until you experienced the grace of God. John chapter 3 verse 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. In Titus chapter 2 verse 11, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. If you want to have that peace that passes all understanding, if you want to have that peace in your heart that you cannot explain, that you sing with joy as you sing this song. Boy, I love that song. I was just thinking back to the time when we, we learned that song. Miss Carol said, I like this song. Why don't we, why don't we learn this one? Uh, the Cleansing Wave. Now I see. I love this. the last verse where it says, There's heaven below. My word. Yes, absolutely. Why? Because we have that peace. We have that joy because of who we have inside of us. The Lord Jesus Christ. Without grace, there's no peace. And we find in verse 2, he says here, We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers. So we find they are thanking God. And one of the things I've noticed is that God's people have become increasingly unthankful. You say, well, you could say that about the world, but what do you mean God's people? No, I'm saying God's people. We've become increasingly, increasingly unthankful. Well, the world has an entitlement mentality. That's to be expected of the world, but it should not be found amongst God's people. We should be thankful. We should thank God for everything that he gives us. Are we truly thankful you know, the Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 2, For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, 
unthankful, unholy, and the list goes on and on and on. But one of those things that's there, it says they are unthankful. <coughs> Excuse me. Unthankful. If we ever lived in a time when people are just, I'm owed this, I deserve this. I say no man is owed anything but hell. That's what I deserve. I deserve to go to hell. I deserve to live there for eternity. Last week, a lady said, well, you'd have to be pretty bad to go to hell. I said, no, you don't have to be pretty bad to go to hell. You just have to go die without Christ and you will end up there. You can be a good moral person and die without Christ. It's sad because that's the mentality that we have. You couldn't, you can't really get somebody to understand the gospel, how they need a savior. If they see themselves as not bad enough to go to hell. Because God owes them heaven. God owes me heaven. I'm going to get heaven. We're so unthankful. This verse in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 2, if it doesn't describe the day and age we live in, I don't know what would. They are unthankful. We need to be thankful, folks. We need to teach our children to be thankful. We need to teach our children to have a, a heart of thanksgiving. Not just once a year or twice a year, but every single day when we get up in the morning. I, I, I reaffirm it constantly in our home. It is a rule in my house for my kids, that they must read their Bibles and pray every single morning. He said, well, yeah, but you can't legislate that. Oh, yes, I can, and I do. He said, yeah, but you want them reading it because they want to. No, I want them reading it, period. I don't care if they want to or not. They're going to because it changes their life. It'll change your life. Unthankful. We see here that in verse 2, there also there are some things that they are, they are thankful for. And what are they thankful for? And that's what I want to focus on today. What are these, what, what, what is the Lord saying that these, these men are saying that they are thankful for? Well, it tells us here. First of all, I want you to see it's just simple. They are thankful because of those Christians that are there. Just simply because they're there. Are you thankful because we have a church to come to this morning? That preaches the truth. You know, I'm thankful I don't go to a church where it's just like, well, okay, but but we're going to go. We don't really agree with, with everything, but we're going to pick and choose. And we can't, we can't, this we don't agree with, we don't agree with that. And don't listen to that. But, you know, at least we have a place we can go. I'm glad we don't have to do that. I'm glad we can go to a church and when a man stands up and says, thus saith the Lord, he uses the right Bible, amen. And you know that it's there and he's preaching the truth. And I thank God for that. They were thankful because they were there. Sometimes the things that we take for granted the most are right in front of us. Amen? Sometimes the things you take for granted. Right now, the little, little one's fussing. We shouldn't take that for granted, folks. We should thank God for it. Because we got, we got little voices in our church. Thank God for that. They were thankful because they were there. Most of the time, and I would say probably 90 Nine percent of the time, we don't realize what we have until we no longer have it. Sometimes the things we take for granted, as I said before, the most, the ones we take for granted the most, are right in front of us. Why? Because well, they're always there. They're always there. How many of us have taken our spouse for granted? How many of us have taken our kids for granted? 
I wonder how many of us have taken our families for granted. What about our health? You know, we're, we're, everyone here is in pretty, pretty decent health, give or take a few issues. How many times have we taken our health for granted? You know, we get up in the morning once in a while, I'll, my back goes out for some reason, and I'll get up in the morning and I can't walk. And Cindy suffers with, with back pain. You get up and you just can't walk, and it's just like all day long. It's just, you didn't think about it the day before. You were just so mad, you just went on, you never even thought about it. But the day when you're hurting, the day when you're sitting with family members and they get the news, it's cancer. Oh, it's stage four. Boy, things start be, being put in perspective, don't they? We don't. We take our health for granted. How many of us take maybe the special music for granted we have in our church? You know, there's many churches that have zeros. They don't have special music because they, they don't have anybody to sing. They don't have anybody that's willing to sing. You say, well, yeah, there's always going to be somebody here. But don't take that attitude. Be grateful. Be thankful to God for what we do have. And also be prepared to serve yourself. If the preacher needs somebody, if the pastor said, I need so-and-so, I hope their heart's ready with God. I hope they're ready to serve today. And don't show up at the pastor saying, no, they're not ready to serve. You say, well, how can you do that? You know, look into our hearts. No. The Holy Spirit of God leads. How many of us have taken their pastor for granted how many of us take our church for granted today it's just always going to be here it's always going to be here you know since the time that we have moved to new brunswick it was 10 years in may that we started i came as pastor it'd be 10 years that we had moved here december the 9th i think december 9th 2000 and 10 years ago <laughs> 2009, we came here. Do you know since that time, seven pastors have resigned their churches in the Maritimes? Seven pastors, and actually there's more than that because as I was laying there last night trying to sleep, I was thinking of other ones that I thought of that I'd missed. Out of those seven or eight or nine pastors that have resigned their churches, four churches have closed their doors for good. Four churches that closed their doors for good. A lot of them, the men were discouraged. People were not committed. They just kind of took for granted that there was always going to be a pastor there. That God brought him there, so he's always going to be there. It doesn't always work that way, folks. Four churches. And I got the news this week that another one is going to be closing their doors for good. Independent, Bible-believing, Baptist, closing the doors on a community that needs the Lord. Let's not take the church for granted. And make sure we don't take the church for granted. Do we, do, we, do we realize how much we take something or maybe someone for granted until they're no longer there? I, I just tell you, to be honest with you, Brother Eldon was one that I took for granted a lot. He was always here. Brother Eldon was always here, always ready to serve. He was always ready. To, if you need me, I'll be there. Or he was just in the limelight. Just whatever, just I'm sitting back. 
I said, we're going to go up to Perth Andover. Okay, when? Okay, we're going to try to go down to Fredericton and do an outreach. Okay, great, when? I'm going to tell you, folks, God forgive me, but I took that for granted. Because that's not everybody. That's not everybody. We check our schedules. We check everything else around to see if what we want to do, if it's going to work out for us. We need some Christians that are committed and saying, God, would you use me? I'm, I'm sold out to you, Lord. If you've given us a preacher, you've given us a man of God that's going to leave, Lord, give me the incentive. Lord, give me the zeal to follow Amen. and to please you. They were thankful because they were just there. I'm a heartbroken because this this week, I, I'm thinking about good friends of mine that are no longer in the ministry. Their churches, they've left. Some of those have closed their doors. Others are still hanging on with just men in the church trying to take take up and, and trying to preach. That's fine. And that's great. And every man should be able to preach. But not every man is a pastor. Amen. Churches need a pastor. They need that under-shepherd. And my heart breaks from them, those men that I still love. I still stay in contact with them if I can find them. And I still pray for them every single day. But my heart breaks because they're gone. They're no longer in the ministry. They were there, and I took them for granted, and they're gone. You see, the Lord is telling us here that they were thankful that this church was here, that the Thessalonians had a church they could call home. And they weren't just willing that it's a church we can go to, and then we're going to go home, and we're going to go about our lives. We can see from example that they didn't do that. They were thankful, number two, for their work of faith their work of faith. Look at verse number three. Remembering without ceasing your work of faith. Your work of faith. That is their work showing or convincing of their faith. The reference is probably to, to, to their, their acts or duty, their, their holiness, their benevolence, which provided that they exercised faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, works of faith are those to which faith prompts and to which show that there is faith in the heart. A, a, a true Christian, there, there is no such thing as a Christian who's not a witness. You say, well, yeah, I know some that, you know, that aren't witnessing. No, you're witnessing one way or another. You're being a witness. It's either a good witness or you're being a lousy witness. One day you'll stand before the Lord Jesus Christ, our head, and you will give an account of your works. Your works. They were thankful for their work of faith. You know, it doesn't mean it's a work of their own producing faith, but a work which showed that they had faith, and they had faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. They could see what was being done in their lives, and it was only because of their faith in the Lord. Any work done apart from faith is vain. It is vain. The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Do we have faith today? Are we serving the Lord through faith? Or is it just because we're just doing something because it's just kind of routine 
and we were excited at first, but now it's just kind of become normal to us. We're not excited about Sunday mornings any longer. God, help us if the day comes where we're not excited about going to church to see when we can worship our God. As I was praying last night, it's like, Lord, please allow our church tomorrow to worship you, not just to sing songs because we want to sing songs. You can go out on the street. You can go up the street or down the street and hear people singing songs. They are not worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ. But heaven forbid you should walk into River Valley Baptist Church and find people who aren't worshiping the Lord. When we sing, it shouldn't be a time of just joking around and and, and having fun and just talking, you know, and, and sing along if you want to. But it's a time when you lift up your voices and you're worshiping our Savior. We sing the song Amazing Grace. Did it get to your heart? When we've been there 10,000 years. Man, did you think about that as you sing the song to the Lord? When you sing that song about the cleansing wave, did you think about who you were singing to? Without faith, it is impossible to please Him. Look with me, if you would, to Hebrews chapter 11. And back to Hebrews chapter 11. Call Hebrews chapter 11 the, the, the faith chapter. Well, I want, there's some names here that I just want to kind of skip down through them as we look. And, and we're not going to read the whole verse, but I just want to read some names here. In Hebrews chapter 11, we find in verse 4, it says, By faith, Abel. Verse 5, by faith, Enoch. In verse 7, it says, by faith, Noah. In verse 8, we find it says, by faith, Abraham. In verse 11, we find it says here, through faith, Sarah. In verse 20, it says, by faith, Isaac. Verse 21, by faith, Jacob. Verse 22, it says, by faith, Joseph. Verse 23, by faith, Moses. By faith, the harlot Rahab. In verse 31, look in verse Look at verse 32. It says, in verse 32, it says this, And what shall I more say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon, of Barak, of Samson, and of Jephthah, of David also, and Samuel, and of the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword out of weakness, were made strong, waxed violent in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead raised to life, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sown asunder were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world, listen, read that again with me, of whom the world was not worthy, of whom this world was not worthy. They wandered in desert and in mountains, in dens and caves of the earth. And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise, God having provided some better things, for us, that they with us, without us, should not be made perfect. You see these men who had faith in God? You see what they accomplished? They didn't have what we have today. Amen. Man, and what should we be able to accomplish with what God has given us today? 
They were destitute, the Bible says. We have been blessed beyond measure. We hold the completed canon of Scripture in our hands. We can go home today. We can read it. We can love it. We can memorize it. It should not be a chore. It should not be a chore for a child of God to try to memorize Scripture. You say, well, I can't memorize. Try, try, try. Heaven forbid your kids ever see you not trying to memorize Scripture because they will do the exact same thing that you're doing. They'll have no desire to do it themselves. They'll take the same excuse their mom does or the same excuse their dad does. I can't. And a lot of people are messing up in life because they say they just it's a cop-out. I can't. We need to serve the Lord. We need to do great things for God because of what God has given us. And they were thankful for their work of faith. Nothing can be accomplished for God by our own might. Nothing can be accomplished by our own might. Only by faith can mountains be moved. Can souls be saved. Only by faith from this church can other churches be planted in other places. By faith. We see also, number three, they were thankful for their labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in verse 3. If you're going to have patience, you're going to have to have love. If you're going to do a work of the Lord, it requires love and patience. You see, he says here in labor of love, labor produced by love. Do you think that a man would go to another community somewhere and try to plant a church where he doesn't know anybody, amongst strangers, amongst people who don't want him there, because he just felt like it would be a good thing to do? No, because of love. Because of love. The labor of love. Such would be all their kindness toward the poor, the oppressed, the afflicted, and all their work showed that they loved the souls of men. Do we love the souls of men today? Too many of us today are caught up on our own desires and our own wants. Too many of us are caught up pointing out faults of everybody else to do anything good for God. God never uses because we're too busy trying to correct everybody else's faults. We've got a boatload of them on our ship. Do you love souls today? Do you love souls? It says in patience of hope, patient in your trials, showing that you have such a hope of future blessedness to sustain you in your afflictions. It was the hope of heaven through the Lord Jesus that gave them the patience that they had. He says here in labor of love and patience of hope and our Lord Jesus Christ. That is, your hope is found with, our hope is founded only on the Lord Jesus Christ. We can be mocked, we can be scorned, we can be persecuted. But there can be nothing done to us that will ever be as bad as what happened to our Lord. Never. May we remember that. May we remember and may it increase our love for our Lord. The only hope that we have of heaven is through the Redeemer. I like the song we sing, My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. We see also number four, and lastly, we see they were thankful for the, the, their evidence of salvation. Look in verse four. In verse four it says this, Knowing, brethren, Beloved, your election of God. 
Now, automatically, we get all scared when we see that word election, don't we? We're not Calvinist. No, I'm not a Calvinist. We're Bible-believing Baptists. The word election does not bother me because I have the Bible. I read the Bible. I understand the Holy Spirit of God guides me into all truth. Some people get called up on the election and they stop. They don't want to go into all truth. These Calvinists, do they know that John Calvin was no friend to Bible-believing Christians? He was a persecutor of Christians. If you want to do a study sometime, do a study on him, how he persecuted Christians. We are not Protestant. We are not Protestant. We are Baptist. And the Protestants and the Catholics have never liked Baptists. Never. Because Baptists preach the truth. We don't hold to a hierarchy of of a pope or bishops. We hold to the Lord Jesus Christ as our head. And the word of God is our sole authority for faith and practice. Period. We find here they were thankful for their evidence of salvation. Knowing. It says knowing your election. Having abundant evidence. They, they, they proved it by the, the evidences they had in their life. And 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 17 says, If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And I know we're running a little bit late, but turn over with me to 2 Peter, if you would. 2 Peter chapter 1. Second Peter chapter 1. Start reading in verse 1. I was in 1 Peter, sorry. Over here, 2 Peter. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are ye given, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And besides this, giving all diligence, add, notice, add to your faith, virtue, and to virtue, knowledge, and to knowledge, temperance, and to temperance, Temperance, patience, into patience, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, into brotherly kindness, charity. For these, if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off, and hath. What's the next word? Somebody tell me what the next word is. It's forgotten. And hath forgotten, and he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, we understand what these things are. We just read them, the previous verses. Ye shall never fall. You say, well, I'm, 
I'm not one that ever doubts. Please don't say that. Just keep praying. You see what the Lord's saying here? Add to these things. Grow. That's our responsibility. You say, well, the preacher doesn't give me anything. Anytime somebody leaves the church, nine times out of ten, they always say this. I wasn't getting fed anything. Who's our teacher? The Holy Spirit of God. He's our teacher. And he will guide us into all truth. That's not my, it's not, I don't know what to say. If you're not getting fed, it's because you're not pulling up to the table. You got to get up to the table. If you want fed, you need to sit up and get ready. Put your bib on. Pull out your fork, amen. Get your knife sharpened up and ready to eat. If you want to be fed. You know, we get all hung up on that word elect. But it says here, forgotten that they had been purged. Forgotten that they were saved? Yes, absolutely. All Christians are the elect, okay? All Christians are the elect. If you're saved today, you are the elect. It's kind of a way of saying that knowing that you've become Christians. You've become Christians. I want to show you a verse really quickly. 1 Peter chapter 1. Let's go back to 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 2. Anytime somebody brings up that elect and being part of the elect, you tell them, that's fine. Amen. Praise the Lord. I'm one of the elect too. I've been saved. And you show them this verse. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 2, it says, Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through, through sanctification of the Spirit, unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace unto you and peace be multiplied. There you go. The election is very easy. Isn't it? You've been saved. Do you know that before the world was created, before the angels were created, God knew that Andrew Nestle would be saved one day? Uh, no, I don't think he, he would have chose to do that. No, he knew. He knew. According to the foreknowledge of God. God is all-knowing. God is all-knowing. That's one of the attributes of God. He is all-knowing. We find here that they were thankful for their evidence of salvation. The Bible says in 1 Peter 2, verses 9 and 10, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praise praises of him who hath called you out of Darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were not people, but now the people of God, which had obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. You know, we need to be thankful for those that God has placed in our lives. And we need to be thankful for a church that God has given us. We need to be thankful for that. that listen, we need to be thankful that we have a desire to reach other parts of our province, other parts of our world. We support missions. Thank God for a church that supports missions. You know, I'm so glad that we're an independent, Bible-believing Baptist church where it's not like we get a letter in the mail saying, okay, we need to support this missionary for this amount of uh, much. And we say, okay, yeah, the head office sent down this. and No, our head office sends down, amen. We need to be in tune. We listen to the Lord as he speaks to us through his word. We need to be thankful for those that God has placed in our lives. We need to show our gratitude to God by praying without ceasing for one another, 
for one another's families, for for the churches that we know that are still standing, that it could be struggling, that it could be a pastor and it could be his wife that are discouraged and they just don't know where to go because it's just they're they're working hard, they're praying and they're doing exactly what God wants them to do, and there's just not people coming, or people come for a bit and then they fall away. He said, Well, that doesn't happen all the time. I can name you ten churches right now where preachers are discouraged because people seem to come for a while and then they fall off. They're discouraged. And I do my best to try to encourage them. Just stay faithful. Stay faithful. We're praying for you. If there's anything that we can do, we'll, we'll be there for you. Let us know. We want to help. We need to show our gratitude to God, but praying without ceasing for others. And we need to live our lives in a way that will always please and glorify our Lord and Savior. Live our lives to always glorify Him. You know, we have our ups and downs, don't we? May God help us. I can't help but think of the verse in Matthew 5 or 16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Good works. There's nothing wrong, Christian, with bearing good works. It's not just a good idea. It's not just a suggestion that we have. It's a command from God. And the Lord says, my commandments are not grievous. He says, if you love me, keep my commandments. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for the privilege and the honor, Lord, we have here this morning. Be able to open the precious word of God. Be able to see the importance, Lord. There's some things that we might be slacking off on. And we need to step it up a little bit, Father. Lord, I love you. And I pray, Lord, that you just use this message to stir your people up, Father. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.